Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. Mission Sunday is always a great Sunday. And we have with us a very special guest, a gentleman who has done it all, in essence. He has pastored. He has uh, been a missionary. Uh, he now works in the national office and does who knows what, right? So would you welcome Randy Hurst as he comes to share with us this morning? Well, hey, I'm a... how many believe what the Word teaches, that the steps of righteous people are ordered of the Lord? That means you're not here by accident, I'm not here by accident, that God planned for us to be here today. Would you just with me invite him to accomplish what he wants in and through our lives this morning? Would you put your hands in a receiving position? Lord, we thank you that we serve a God who speaks, who does not leave us in the dark, but has promised to guide us into all truth. I pray we would know your truth this morning and that your truth would make us free from anything that holds us back from your divine purpose and very specific plan in each of our lives. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. <clears throat> in speaking of our steps being ordered to the Lord, a number of years ago, I flew all the way to New Zealand just to preach one service on a Sunday morning. It was in the largest church in New Zealand at that time. And uh, that morning when I gave a salvation invitation at the end of the service, just one man stood and came forward. And of course, I was happy that he came, but I was disappointed because normally in that size crowd that there'll be a, a dozen or 15 or 20 that'll respond. And I never forgot that. And uh, two years later, I was back in New Zealand in a different city, in the city of New Plymouth, <clears throat> and a lady came up to me after the service, and she said, I want to meet you because you were a real blessing in my life a couple of years ago. And I said, but I have never been to this church before. I've never even been to this city before. She said, well, it wasn't here. She said it was up in Auckland, which is the largest city in New Zealand. And she said, I was a new believer staying with a family on holiday, on vacation, that were non-believers. I was trying to share my new faith in Christ. How many remember what that, what that was like when you first accepted the Lord? And she said they were unresponsive, and the husband who was an agnostic, was even hostile. <clears throat> and she said, on Sunday morning, we were driving down the freeway to have a late breakfast at Denny's restaurant. And all of a sudden, the agnostic man who was driving turned off the freeway into the Assembly of God Church that was right there prominently on the, on the, at the end of the Auckland Harbor Bridge. And he turned to this lady who had been witnessing to him and he said, I'll tell you what, let's forget about breakfast. Instead, we will go to church. I will listen to whoever this preacher is. And if I do that, will you leave me alone? Did you know that God can pop ideas into somebody's head? Even an agnostic's head. And she said, you know, that was the morning you were there preaching. 
And she said, you know, so many questions my agnostic friend had from me as a new believer. I didn't know the answers. And she said, you answered almost all of his questions in your sermon that morning. And she said, do you remember at the end of the service, a man coming forward to receive Christ? I said, I sure do, because he was the only one. She said, that man was my agnostic friend. I said, sister, I want to thank you. She said, I want to thank you. I said, I want to thank you because you have made my day. She said, I'm not finished. She said, the next day he was on his way to work on the same freeway. Coming from the opposite direction, a car had a blowout on a front tire. And the car swerved across the median, had a head-on collision with his car, and he was instantly killed and went to be with the Lord the next day. Now you tell me it's just coincidence the only day in that agnostic man's life when he went to church was one day before he slipped into eternity. How many of you know God knows every one of us? He knows every heart. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen, or uh, you can look in your device at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sorry for sitting on the stool sometime. I hurt my back a few, uh, just several weeks ago, so I can't stand very long. By the way, can you turn the monitors up a little? That'll help me here. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's up on the screen right there. Verse 4, when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Now, here's the issue. In the church at Corinth, there were people who were focused on who the pastor was when they came to the Lord, okay? So some of them had come to the Lord under Paul's ministry, who was the first pastor. Others had come to the Lord under Apollos' ministry, who was the present pastor. And he said, when you focus on who the one was who gave you the gospel, you're missing the point. Look at the next verse. And he said, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Let me stop and ask you, how many of you know who, when you came to the Lord, even before you heard the gospel, God was at work in the circumstances of your life preparing your heart for the message? Let me see your hands. How many think it was coincidence? Again, that agnostic man. How many know God is the one who gave the opportunity? Now, I want you to notice, God used me to share the message. He used that new believer, that woman, to witness to him before I gave the message. Notice, God uses us as a body to work together to accomplish what he wants to do in people's lives. Let me tell you, this is a powerful truth, friends. Now, look at the next verse. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. But I want you to notice something. If I would have quoted that verse and say, finish it for me. In fact, don't look at the screen, okay? I'm going to quote it. I planted, Apollos watered, finish it for me without looking at the screen. God made it grow. Those are the NIV people. Who said God gave the increase? King James people. See, you can tell. Hello. 
Well, I am a New American Standard person because I'm an American. Now, notice, notice in the, no, there's another reason. It's because I taught Greek when I was in college. One of the things that Pastor Phil was saying, I've done a lot of different things. And one of them was I taught Bible college and I taught Greek. So I'm going to give you a Greek grammar lesson this morning. Isn't that exciting? Punch the person next to you, say, don't go to sleep. Greek grammar is exciting. <clears throat> there are two kinds of tense in Greek. One is called linear, say linear. The other is called punctiliar, say punctiliar. Here's the difference. Punctiliar happens at one point or for a brief period of time. Linear is an ongoing action. Okay? There's a significant difference in that. Let me give you one example. When Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, that is not a punctiliar tense. He's not talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit one time. From then on, you are to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hello? Just because you spoke in tongues 20 years ago at a family camp or a kid's camp or a youth camp does not mean you're full of the Holy Spirit today. Hello? What he's saying is keep being filled. Now, here's what he's saying uh, concerning uh, planting and watering the seed. You see, Paul, okay, I'm going to walk along a timeline here. You see, first of all, Paul came to Corinth and planted the seed. Now, let's ask ourselves, what is the seed in the kingdom of God, folks? The Word, the gospel. So, he first planted the Word in Corinth. Then, he left and went to Ephesus. Then, along the timeline, Apollos came, and he watered the word that Paul had planted. Now, it sounds in the King James and the NIV like, after Apollos watered the word, then God made it grow or gave the increase. That's not what he's saying. Because in Greek, he changes tense which is how the New American Standard shows it, what he's saying is this. Even before, remember I asked you earlier, how many of you know God prepared your heart for the gospel before you even received it? God's work began in Corinth even before Paul planted the seed. It continues while Paul plants the seed. It continues while Apollos waters the seed. And it continues after Apollos waters the seed. Are you with me? Let me tell you, if that doesn't excite you, your exciter's busted. You see, what God does is at points in time, He brings us into His work in people's lives. We plant, we water. All along, God is causing the growth. There are three principles I want to share with you this morning. How many of you ever put a P.S. on a letter or an email? You'll remember them because they all start with P.S. Here's the first principle I want you to see. The potential is in the soil. Look on the screen. The potential is in the soil. Now, we know what the seed is. The seed is the Word. In the parable of the sower, which Jesus taught, what is the soil? The soil is the heart. 
there's potential in the heart of people. And where, how many know God knew the potential in the heart of that agnostic man that I told about in the first story in New Zealand? God's the one that gave the opportunity because God knew the man's heart. Do you know that before we're ever born, God knows what our choices are going to be. He knows what our heart is going to respond to. Are you with me? So there's potential in the soil. Now, I forgot to ask Pastor Phil, is there church, kids' church going on right now? Okay. Do you know the purpose of kids' church is not to get the kids out of your hair so you're not disturbed during your worship? The purpose of kids' church is for them to have an experience with God that they can relate to, that relates to their life, is relevant to them, right? And may I tell you, wherever those kids are on this campus, there's potential in the soil of those kids' hearts. Let me give you an example. A number of years ago in Hong Kong, in a little church called the Yuenlong Church, they only had about 30 people on Easter Sunday. Very small church. The pastor's daughter, who was six years of age, invited a little Buddhist boy to come to church. His name was Billy Lau. And the first Sunday school lesson that Billy Lau heard, this little Buddhist boy heard, six-year-old boy, was on salvation. The teacher had a picture of Jesus on the cross. He explained why Jesus died on the cross. Do you know that the first time this little Buddhist boy heard the gospel, he responded, God brought faith to his heart, and he asked Jesus into his heart. How many, do you believe the gospel is powerful enough for a six-year-old Buddhist boy to receive Jesus first time he hears the gospel? You know why it was important that he received Jesus the first time? Because when Billy Lau got home, his Buddhist father beat him for going to the Christian church. If he had not had an experience with Jesus, he would not have gone back. But because he had had an experience with Jesus, Billy Lau went back again and again and again and I will t fast forward to tell you that Billy Lau is a grown man today. He's my friend. And I asked Billy when he told me about his early life, I said, Billy, did your dad beat you every Sunday when you came home from church? And Billy laughed. He said, no, not every Sunday, but most Sundays. Can you imagine being a six-year-old boy, then a seven-year-old boy, and an eight-year-old boy, and you don't know on your way home from church if you're going to get a beating or not? But not only did Billy Lau keep going back again and again, one by one, Billy brought all six of his brothers and sisters to Sunday school. All six of them received Jesus. All six of them and Billy are serving the Lord today. When Billy Lau was 16 years of age, his Buddhist mother came to church and she received Jesus. When he was 17 years of age, his Buddhist father came to church and he received Jesus. The entire family is serving Jesus because of the potential in the soil, the heart of a six-year-old Buddhist boy. How many of you believe that's the kind of potential in the heart of someone? Now, I want you to know I'm not finished because Billy Lau grew up. God called him to the ministry. He went to the Assemblies of God Bible School in Hong Kong, and he planted a church out in the new territories of Hong Kong where there was no Assemblies of God church. He is pastoring it today. I've had the privilege of preaching in that church. I want you to see that church. 
uh, Patrick, would you show that Hong Kong video? Look at the screen behind you, and you'll see in the black jacket and the gray pants, that's Billy Lau, who was that six-year-old boy. This is one of six Sunday services. This is just the Sunday afternoon high school youth service in the Yen Long Kam Kwong Church, pastored by Billy Lau, a congregation of more than 5,000. That's the potential that's in the soil of a heart of a little kid. Let me tell you something, folks. Wherever God sends the missionaries that this church supports, there's potential in the soil of hearts to receive Jesus and to multiply. Principle number two. The power is in the seed. Now, we already know what the seed is. The seed is the word. And listen, this is really important for us as Pentecostal people to understand. Because you see, we know in Acts 1.8 that we receive power to be witnesses. Amen? But listen carefully, friends. In evangelism, the primary power is not in the messenger. The primary power is in the message. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. How many of you believe that? Now watch out, because if you understand the primary power is in the message, not the messenger, then none of us has an excuse not to share it. Because whether it bears fruit or a harvest does not depend on how eloquent or persuasive we are as messengers. It doesn't depend on how good-looking or how intelligent or how educated we are. We just plant the seed and water the seed, and the power is in the seed. I have never seen this more graphically illustrated then a number of years ago in Indonesia, I had preached three morning services in a church, a large church of about 4,000 that morning, and I was to go to the airport, get on a plane, fly to Singapore to preach the evening service in a church of about 5,000 in Singapore. So that's a busy day. Three morning services in one country and an evening service in another country and a flight in between. The missionary is supposed to take me to the airport after the third service without even having lunch. And he came to me and said, uh, I can't take you to the airport. I said, i got to get to the airport. He said, well, someone else has asked to take you to the airport. Now, let me give you a little tip if you haven't traveled a lot. If someone asks to take you to the airport, they want something. I said, what does this guy want? He said, I don't know, but he says he has to take you to the airport. I said, well, what does he do? He said, he's a taxi driver. I said, that's it. It's 25 bucks to the airport. He said, no, he is a member of our church. He promises this is a free ride. I said, okay, I'll go along with this, but I promise you it's not a free ride. This guy wants something. Well, I went out and, and met David, and David was standing by his little yellow and red Japanese taxi, grinning from ear to ear. David ran around, got my luggage, put it in the trunk. He went around and opened the front door, not the back door. I'm happy to ride in the front seat. I prefer it. And then he, he has still not said anything to me, and he jumps behind the wheel, floors it, laying rubber on both rear tires, swerves out into Jakarta traffic. Then he turns, and this is the first thing that David Hardy Kadrusman, that was his name, said to me. We must talk fast. We only have 45 minutes. 
I said, we must talk fast. We only have 45 minutes. What do you want to talk fast about for 45 minutes? I must tell you my testimony. I thought, well, at least he's going to be doing the talking. I said, Get, tell me your testimony. I love to hear anyone's testimony, don't you? He said, I bulldozer mechanic. I thought, that's it. He wants me to get him a job at Caterpillar in Peoria, Illinois. And then listen carefully. He said, but I make mission faith promise. Hello? I make mission faith promise. Here's this bulldozer mechanic makes a faith promise. Now, how many of you have got one of these yellow faith promise cards? Okay? Mission's promise 2023. Have you got one? Do you know America is not the only place that people make missions faith promises? They do it all over the world. They had a missions emphasis in David's church that I had preached in that morning, and David made his first missions faith promise. He said, Jesus, tell me how much to pledge. Then he told me the amount of his faith promise. It was the equivalent. His first faith promise was the equivalent for the year of more than 3,000 U.S. dollars for the year. That is half a, almost half a year's income for an Indonesian bulldozer mechanic. How many think that's a big faith promise? I said, David, that's a lot of money. He said, that, but I tell Jesus, Jesus, this is a lot of money. I said, did the Lord give you any direction? He tell me, quit my job. I thought it was time for a little teaching. I said, David, when you have made a faith promise, that's not the time to quit your job. How many agree with that, right? He said, no, Jesus tell me I must have new job. I must become evangelist. I thought it was time for a little teaching. I said, David, if you think being an evangelist is a way to make a lot of money, you have been watching too much television. I said, you understand an evangelist is only paid when he preaches. He does not have a salary like a pastor. So if he doesn't preach, if he is sick, he has no pay. If he's on vacation, no pay. At Christmas and Easter, no pay. He said, I paid all the time. I thought it was time for him to give me a little teaching. I said, how are you paid all the time? He said, I taxi evangelist. I said, taxi evangelist, I've never heard of this before. Explain this to me. Everyone who get into my taxi, I do evangelism. They all pay me. I just realized I'm doing everything you think backwards because I'm in Indonesia. The steering wheel's on the right-hand side of the car. So David's over here. I'm over here. Are you with me? Okay. So anyway, he said, everyone who get into my taxi, I do evangelism. They all pay me. I said, David, that's brilliant. He said, only problem, when Jesus called me to be taxi evangelist, I have no car. Now, that's a problem, right? I said, well, how did you get this car? He said, I prayed to Jesus. Jesus promised he will give me car. I said, well, I'm riding in it, so how did you get this car? David went to say goodbye to the only other Christian in the heavy equipment company in which he's a lowly mechanic in the service department. The only other Christian was a wealthy Chinese man, an Anglican brother, the executive vice president, an Anglican born-again brother. Now, he is not Pentecostal. He's not charismatic, okay? And he goes and tells this wealthy Anglican man that God's called him to be a taxi evangelist. He said, but David, you have no car. He said, I prayed to Jesus. Jesus promised he will give me a car. Now, this brother is born again, but he's Anglican. He's not Pentecostal. He's not charismatic. He said, David, Jesus does not give cars to people. 
No, Jesus promised he will give me car. He said, David, Jesus does not just give cars to people. He said, how much will your taxi cost? David had done research. He said 31,200,000 rupiah. That was the equivalent at that time in American dollars of about 28,000 US dollars for the cheapest Japanese car because they're all imported from Japan. They don't make them in Indonesia. The Anglican businessman pulled out a drawer of his desk, took out a checkbook, wrote out a check to David Hardy Kadrusman for 32 million rupiah, enough to pay for the taxi and the license. Are you ready? <laughs> because he didn't believe Jesus gives cars to people. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking I got a new faith promise testimony. While I'm thinking that, he, David reaches in the glove compartment, he pulls out a portable cassette tape recorder. This is a few years ago. Remember cassettes? On the floor, there's a box that says TDK. He reaches in, takes out a TDK cassette tape, takes it out of the tape box, puts it in the recorder, puts it on pause, hands the tape recorder to me. I said, what is this for, David? He said, I need three salvation sermon. One 10 minute, one 15 minute, one 20 minute. We have just enough time, 45 minutes. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I just an evangelist, I'm not a preacher. He said, when someone get into my taxi, first question I ask, what language you speak? If he say Mandarin, I take Mandarin tape. Now he pointed the dashboard. I had noticed I couldn't see the road because on the dashboard on the passenger side is a rack of cassette tapes, okay? On each of the tapes, I assumed they were music tapes. No, I find out they're all salvation sermons in different languages. On each box is the name of a language. Mandarin, Cantonese, Hindustani, Tamil, Bahasa, Malay, Arabic, Russian. David has schnookered these preachers to give them rides to airports, gets them to preach on a tape so that he has a salvation sermon tape for whoever gets in his taxi. Hello? That is a taxi. Listen, he said, I just an evangelist. I'm not a preacher. Do you know you don't have to be a preacher to be an evangelist? An evangelist is someone who gets the good news to somebody, who plants the seed, who waters the seed. You just get the message to them. That is an evangelist. Whether you're a taxi driver, a housewife, a farmer, a carpenter, a college student, and I said, why do you need three sermons, 10, 15, 20 minutes? He said, some taxi rides 10 minutes, some 15, some 20. I said, David, you don't have to fill the whole taxi ride with preaching. One sermon, 10 minutes will work for all three taxi rides. Okay, okay, one sermon, 10 minutes. I said, I will take this tape back to America. I will record 10 minutes salvation sermon. I will air mail it to the missionary and he will give to you. No, I need today. I said, David, listen to me. I just preached three times. I have had no lunch. I decided to explain to him. I said, you understand, sermons require study and preparation. He smiled. He said, ha ha, I Pentecostal. I pray for anointing of Holy Spirit for you. I said, David, the anointing is wonderful, but you got to have a message to anoint that take. Then I thought, ah, he thinks I'm going to break my promise, right? Somebody broke a promise to him, some Australian guy, some British guy. They said they were in the sentiment tape and they didn't do it. I said, David, I think you not trust me. I started talking like him after a while. He said, I said, I promise you I will mail the tape to the missionary. He said, no, 
I confess, I'm getting a little irritated at this point. I said, David, you have no right to tell me when I am going to preach. He said, tomorrow. Tomorrow, someone who speaks English, get into my taxi tomorrow. They go to hell because you're not obedient to God. I said, all right, David, give me the tape. I said, look, we've got 30 minutes to the airport. This is 10 minutes salvation sermon. I must have time to meditate and prepare. Okay, okay. I close my eyes. I'm meditating on this salvation sermon I'm going to do. And David's making noises over here. And I'm not paying much attention. Then I feel something on my right knee. I open my right eye, look down. David's left hand is on my right knee. I look over at David. He is praying in tongues. We are now on the freeway headed to the airport. I looked at the speedometer. I'm not exaggerating. 70 miles per hour. David is praying in tongues, driving on the freeway, 70 miles per hour with one hand and his eyes closed. I promise you, I'm not making this up. I said, David, he opened his eyes. I said, what are you doing? I pray for anointing of Holy Spirit. I said, I know you're praying for the anointing. Your eyes are closed. He said, I pray better with eyes closed. I said, David, you drive better with eyes open. He said, oh, not to worry. I open once in a while. I said, David, at 70, once in a while is not good enough. Stop. He said, stop driving. I said, no, stop praying. He said, why? I said, because I have the anointing. I said, trust me. While I stopped meditating, he stopped praying. I turned on the tape recorder. I said, I am talking to you at the request of your taxi driver who wants you to know why Jesus is the most important person in his life. And in 10 minutes, I simply shared the gospel. He said, what's the gospel? Friends, the gospel is Jesus. His virgin birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, and his promise to return for all of his followers. That's the gospel. You can share that in 10 minutes. And you say, how can you convince a non-believer in 10 minutes to receive Christ? I can't. That's not my job. My job is to plant the seed and water the seed. God is the one who causes the growth, and the power is in the seed. We got to the airport I gave him the tep, tape after I shared the gospel. I said, David, there's your tape. I said, have people received Christ in your taxi? Many times, he said. I said, tell me about some of them. He told me several testimonies. One I'll never forget, a businessman on a rainy day under an umbrella flagged down his taxi, got in and said, take me to the Jakarta Harbor Bridge. He didn't tell him why until later. David put in a tape. The man heard the gospel, received Jesus in the back seat, stopped David before he got to the bridge, told him to take him somewhere else, and tried to give him many times the normal taxi fare. David said, why you offer me so much money? I cannot accept this. The man said, you do not understand. You saved my life today. The man's business was bankrupt. He and his wife had never been able to have children when he lost his business, his wife, they'd never been able to have children, and she said she was leaving him. She left him. He went into depression, was going to lose his home. 
he decided life wasn't worth living and that he'd go jump off the bridge in Jakarta. But he got into a taxi driven by a Holy Ghost-filled, charismaniac taxi driver. And before he got to the bridge, he received Jesus. And that businessman was sitting in the second service I preached that morning. Why, friends? Because the power is in the seed. A number of years I went back. The same missionary was going to pick me up at the airport. I said on an overseas call, is it okay if I get someone else to pick me up at the airport? He said, who do you want to pick you up at the airport? I said, can you get a hold of David Hardy Kadrusman? He said, the taxi driver, I saw him in church last Sunday. I'll get a hold of him. I arrived there a week later, got through immigration and customs, and out by the curb was that same yellow and red Japanese taxi that that Anglican businessman bought him because he didn't believe Jesus gives cars to people. By the way, David made a lot more money as a taxi driver than as a mechanic, and he paid his faith promise off early in six months for the year. And you know, when we were... We, I got into the taxi to head into town. David picked me up. This time again, I got in the front seat. But the second time, I had a camera with me, a video camera. I want you to meet my friend, David Hardy Kadarusman. Patrick, would you show that little video behind me? You'll see, first of all, Jakarta traffic. Then you'll see David. There's David behind the wheel. We talked about a lot of things. I said, David, I said, remember that man who was going to jump off the bridge? And he said, yes, I remember. I said, is he still serving the Lord? David said, he a pastor now. I said, he's a pastor now? He said, he a pastor now. Then it hit me. I said, David, is anyone else who received Christ in your taxi gone in the ministry? Oh, yes, he said. He told me about two others. Do you know when I took that video... There were three Assemblies of God pastors in Jakarta, Indonesia. Together, their congregations back then were more than 1,000 people. Almost none of those people knew Jesus until those three men were called in the ministry. All three of those pastors received Jesus in David Hardy Kadarusman's taxi because that's the multiplying power of the seed. And lastly, very quickly, the privilege is the sower's. You know, as I was sitting with Pastor behind on the platform before I came out, I did what I do always when I'm going to share the word. I, first of all, I thank the Lord. I pray in the Spirit, and I thank the Lord for the privilege of sharing His word. And I'll tell you why. When we share the word, whether it's preaching or witnessing, God gives us the privilege of entering into His ongoing work in people's lives by planting and watering the seed. And you know, that video had no sound. When I was back there several years later, David's taxi had almost 300,000 kilometers on it. It rattled, it squeaked. And when I got back to America, I couldn't get out of my head that squeaky, rattly taxi. The springs were shot, the shocks were shot. And I said, God, I don't know how long David's taxi is going to last. I said, but you put in my heart, I want to buy him a new taxi, but I don't have $28,000. So I made a faith promise. 
It was just between me and God. May I tell you, a faith promise is not between you and Pastor Blake or Pastor Phil or between you and this church. It's between you and God. And I said, God, if you'll provide extra money for me, I'll save up till I can afford to buy him a taxi. And you know what? The next week, a businessman in Maryland said, God told me to give you this and gave me $1,000. That was my first $1,000 I put in my savings account for the taxi. And then finally, the last one was a man in Mustang, Oklahoma. The Lord spoke to to give me some money, and I had enough to order the taxi. And I've got one more video I want to show you. Now, a number of years have gone by. You'll see David's hair is grayer now, okay, because he's older. But there's sound on this video. I want you to see David, with the new taxi, I was able to buy him because of my faith promise. Go ahead, Patrick, show that. really praise the Lord for uh, the new taxi. Uh, the Lord uh, provided for me through the effort of my brother Randy Hurst. Uh, I, I cannot do a lot, but I can pray to the Lord to bless you all, each of you. God bless you in return abundantly. Thank you. I want you to know that David's other taxi, by the time that taxi arrived, had half a million kilometers on it. And he was driving through town and it just quit. They had to tow it away. He went home to his wife, Lena, and he said, I have no taxi. I have no money. I must stop this ministry. You see, he didn't know about my faith promise. My wife didn't know about my faith promise. It was between me and God. You know how long it took me to get that money? Five and a half years. And it arrived two days after they towed his away. You tell me that's coincidence. God heard Lena's prayer five and a half years before. Folks, God gives us the chance to enter into what he's doing. Would you just put your hands in a receiving position? Say, God, speak to my heart of what I want to do. Pastor Phil's going to come. Take your faith promise card. I'm going to pray God directs you. God, you want to use us to partner with other people to get the gospel to people who need it. Lord Jesus, just speak to our hearts. God, of what you want each one of us to do. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Amen. Amen. What a great privilege you and I have. So, we have the card. We're just going to ask you to fill it out, drop it on one of the buckets on your way out. No one will ever call you about it. No one will ever ask you about it. We'll just use it to kind of set a budget. And so I hope you'll give. Also in that bucket, we're going to receive an offering today for what we call the Fire Bible. The goal of this project is to get 100 different translations and to get a Bible in their translation for people that have no Bible in their translation. Because they need to understand what they're reading, right? Not everybody reads English. We're at 63 translations and Bibles. 
And so what we give today is going to go towards that. And you see what we're doing with missions here at the church. We're going to continue to do this. And so uh, thank you for being here today. It's been a great day. And I hope you've been encouraged. I know I am. God works, doesn't he? More than we imagine and more many times we can believe. So, Father, today we thank you for the privilege we have and the blessings we receive from being willing to be used by you and to sow the seed. Thank you for your goodness to us and for your blessings. And Lord, as people take this opportunity to give to missions, may they see you work supernaturally in their lives. May they see you do what they can't believe may their faith be encouraged. And so we go today aware of your faithfulness and your goodness and the potential we have to be used by you. May your name be honored as we go this week. In that name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Just drop what you want on your way out. And if you want to give, there's different ways to give. We have a kiosk out in the lobby as well. So thank you for being here. God bless you for your support. Before you go, just a reminder that we're here if you'd like to speak to Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.